Hello, and welcome to the Bible Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Kelly, and I'm here to help you understand what you just read in the Bible. Hello, everyone. I am so glad you're on this journey with me. If you are new, welcome. If you have any questions on how the podcast is laid out, you can listen to my introduction episode. And everyone is welcome to go to my website, bmepodcast.com, to drop me a note ask any question, or just get up to date on the podcast with the resources I have there, including links to all of my pop culture references. Welcome to week 49. We are in 1 Corinthians chapters 15 through 16, 2 Corinthians, Acts 20 verses 1 through 3, and the book of Romans. Timeline is 54 to 57 AD. Um, I want to start out with, as I said in the last episode, and I want to reiterate again, there are so many great lessons and learnings to come from these letters of Paul. But I'm not here to preach. I'm here to teach and make sure that you have a fundamental understanding of what it is you are reading. So if you want to deep dive further into any of these topics and or learn even more, check out some of my absolute favorite preachers, Pastor Paul Shepard, Dr. Tony Evans, Dr. David Jeremiah, and Billy Graham. Now, let's get into the Bible, starting with 1 Corinthians chapters 15 through 16. Paul makes it clear that not only was Christ resurrected from the dead, but because he did so, we will be able to be resurrected. He also emphasizes the fact that Christ died for our sins because here he, Paul, is an apostle, even though he not only only persecuted the church, but made sure that people were killed because of it. And now he faces a different lot because of that, but he and us are all saved by Christ, no matter what sins we have committed. This is also where Paul gives us some insight into how eternity will go and that this mortal body will pass away, but we will have an imperishable, immortal, however you want to think about it, body after we have died and are raised with Christ. Paul finishes his letter with his plans, with advice and encouragement to keep going. And we dive into 2 Corinthians uh, in chapters 1 through 5. Um, this is just a personal note, but I believe Paul learned a lot from Barnabas because he is so encouraging in the beginning and ending of his letters. And this second one to the Corinthians is just no different. Paul also explains that while he prays for his future, as he has instructed in the past, but that sometimes regardless of what we think is the right path, God may say no to it at a certain time, and that is what happens to Paul. And if God is the one that makes it clear that right now is a no, it will be the best for everyone included to obey that. Paul begins to explain how the old covenant has passed away because of Christ Jesus, and that how the Jews behaved then was not the way that we should behave now because we have hope in Christ. We don't have to put a veil over our face like Moses. We can shine and people can see Christ in us. Uh, note, God of this age, notated in here, and it's not capitalized, means Satan. And in chapter 4, verse 8, Paul gives us what it can be like to follow Jesus in the world. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. The spirit of this world, again Satan, will use so many things to attack us. And while we may feel those things, we are by no means defeated crushed, in despair, destroyed, or abandoned. And in chapter 5, Paul goes into explanation how we are a new creation. Yes, these mortal bodies are wasting away, but because our minds are being renewed and we have turned our faces to Christ and are becoming more like him, we are becoming a new creation and the old stuff of our past will be gone. 
chapters six through seven, Paul also goes into detail what he has to endure on this earth. And he is not saying this to boast or make anyone feel bad for not going through the same things he does, but he's simply showing that our journey on this earth as we follow Christ is not going to be easy. And because of this, Paul once again expresses why we should stay away from idols, as they will only keep us from the Lord and what he has for us. And an idol is anything that separates us from doing what God wants us to do, something we put above God. I know for myself, maybe not absolutely all the time, but I certainly struggle with it and honestly probably will for the rest of my life, if I'm honest. My idol is like uh, social media for especially right now, TikTok and YouTube. Uh, It's bad. And then games on my phone, my phone in general, (laughs) let me just tell you, and I'm not going to say the phone itself is not bad, but it's the priority and treasure that I place on it that takes it to the status of an idol. This is this could be different for everyone. Maybe it's not your phone. Maybe it's not social media. Maybe it's your children or your pets or your job or, you know, your house or your fortune, whatever it may be. I'll suffer from it. Uh, but what we need to do is to give it to Christ, to give it to the Lord and and that is what Romans is about. We are we are never going to be perfect, but we do need to try. Not to be perfect, but we do need to try to be more and more like Christ. And so Paul <laughs> rejoices at the repentance of the Corinthians, as when anyone who comes back to the Lord should be, because not only is God and heaven itself rejoicing, but we should be too. And chapters 8 through 9, Paul goes over giving to those in need. In other words, give with cheer and gratitude that God has blessed you. And in turn, God will turn what you give into a blessing into others. God will take care of you. So if you're stingy, what you're given may not be that much either. Uh, As it says in chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And this isn't just to money either. Yes, it does have to do a lot with money and giving of your money, but This can also be of your time and giving over, you know, doing things for people. Some of us don't have a lot of money, but we do have time and we can help there. So this is not to say that whatever you give or don't give, like the amount is what matters. It's how you give it that matters. Uh, In chapters 10 through 13, Paul defends his ministry by saying he can be bold in his preaching of Christ because he can boast in Christ. However, we are not to compare or judge ourselves against ourselves but by Christ. <laughs> As he explains in chapter 10, 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The way we win is by giving our faults and fears over to Christ and letting him be the one we boast in and giving him the glory when we defeat evil, no matter if it is in the world or within ourselves. Paul goes on to warn the church not to accept any gospel but that of Christ. And while something may look or sound good, if it is not from Christ himself and what Paul has preached to them on it, then it could be evil, even if it is from humans who would be used by Satan. As he explains in chapter eleven fourteen. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. 
And while Paul does boast about his suffering, it is once again to boast how God brought him through it all, and that if Christ calls us to it, he will get us through it. And chapter 12, verses 1 through 10, is a sermon in and of itself. But just note that what Paul is conveying here is that we all have things that bother us about ourselves, things we do, say, feel, or medical issues that simply cannot get rid of. And Paul is explaining that he has that too, and that God promised him that his grace is sufficient to cover those things. If it's a sin issue, God will get you through. Keep giving it over to him. If it's a medical issue, he will use you despite what you or the world may think. Take courage and heart in this. Paul ends his letter with a reminder that those who say they are in Christ will be punished if they continue to act like they're not. However, before you go accusing anyone of anything, you better have two to three witnesses on it. (laughs) Finally, test yourself in Christ and know that he is there for you through it all. Uh, The book of Acts is just telling us that Paul is traveling to Greece at this time. And while he's doing that, this is when he writes the letter to Rome, Romans 1 through 2. So clearly a letter for those in Rome. Know this now. There is not a person that will come out of reading this letter and not have their toes stepped on. You want to know how God feels about all the stuff going on in the world, how we got here and why it is not okay? Well, reading this, you'll know. There are so many people who brush over Romans, but it is essential to understand that while God loves us, has mercy on us, uplifts us, and does all the good things, we are sinners and we have failed God. And no matter how much someone may want to spin this, you are a straight-up sinner. And it is only by the grace and love of God that we can be reconciled to him. So let's get into it. God has revealed himself in a variety of ways, and still we deny him. So he gave humanity over to its own desires, which produced a depraved mind. So saying in verse 28, so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve those who practice them. Chapter 2 tells us why our judgment on other people's sin is not okay. This is not to say that it can't be called out because it needs to be, but be careful in how you judge it. And God's judgment is just, but most of humanity's is not. (laughs) However, if we try to live by God's rules and try to do what is right in our walk with Christ, we will have eternal life. However, those who don't, even if they say they are a follower of Christ, will not have eternal life in heaven. Kelly, side note, this is what James was also describing, that if you are saved, you will see a product of that, a life that is trying to do what is right with God. Even if we don't always achieve it, we do try. However, if you don't try and you have absolutely no trouble or conviction and you're wrongdoing, did you accept Christ in the first place? I honestly don't judge that, but that is a question you need to ask yourself. So in Romans 3 can be summed up with, there is no one righteous not even one. Our ability to work our way to God is that no amount of good works will get us there. (laughs) We will never get through the law. We are sinners and we fail every time. And if you're honest with yourself, every day. However, knowing all of this about humanity and us, God sent his son who fulfilled the law and God took his fulfillment of this, which is also known as righteousness, and placed it on those who believe 
Christ and he took our sin, every single bit of it, from the very first sin that we committed from birth to the very last sin we commit before death. All of it, not just for us, but for literally every single human that has ever, ever come into this world or not. And God took them, like if they died in the womb is what I'm saying. He placed it on Christ, all of those sins, every single one of them for all of humanity, people from the past all the way to the future, every single one of them was all placed on Christ, which is why he had to die, because death is the punishment for sin. So when Christ was resurrected, he defeated that death, which is why those who believe in him will suffer an earthly death as we are sinners, and that is the punishment for being a sinner. But we won't stay dead. We will have eternal life with Christ. And God is a just God. So even as he forgives us, as we follow Christ, we still have to live out the consequences of our actions. And all of this is true, no matter what you previous believed, Jew or Gentile. So in that way, it is inclusive to anyone, literally no matter who you are, your past, your current thoughts, beliefs, actions, family, country, ethnicity, race, etc. But it is exclusive in that only those who accept Christ will have eternal life, meaning Anybody can become a Christian, but only those who believe in Christ will be saved from eternal damnation. In chapter 4, explains how it worked before Christ came, and that those who believed in the Messiah, such as Abraham, and follow God as best he could with the knowledge and understanding given to him, he was saved. And as we know with people like Ruth, anyone could become a Jew. They just had to believe and worship in the way God had given first through Abraham, then Moses. However, once Jesus came, our salvation comes from believing that Christ was that Messiah. And we now follow what he has taught, which still upholds the Old Testament. But Jesus is now the fulfillment of all of that. And since we are now given the Holy Spirit, once we believe, we don't have the same excuse as those in the Old Testament when they followed God. Chapter 5 explains that it is through Adam we sent. And I, I've i heard the jokes. I totally get them. But please do not think for one second that if you had been Adam or Eve, that you wouldn't have sinned. You would have, which is how sin entered the world, and we are all condemned by it. One person's action caused sin for all of us. However, now, because of Christ dying for that sin, we are now reconciled and saved through him and that the same way we were condemned through Adam, we are now saved through Jesus. Beautiful bookends, in my opinion. Like, of course it is, because God is just clearly God and going to be the best writer ever. So then in Romans 6 through 10, Paul also explains that just because we are given grace by God, that does not mean we can sin as much as we want and God's just going to cover it. Uh, I had an experience. I heard a comedian explain that's what Christianity teaches, but us, no, no, that is not what we teach. And that's not even close to it. And I hope by reading through the Bible, you'll, you'll see the truth in that. Paul also explains that we are not condemned by the law. We couldn't fulfill it as we are sinners. And so Jesus came to fulfill it. And it is because of him, we are reconciled. And that fulfillment was given to us because of his death and resurrection. So we get to take Jesus's fulfillment for ourselves, basically. That means we still uphold the law. And while we may still sin, we are not slaves to keep doing those sins. We have Christ now who gave us the Holy Spirit to help us from sinning. It is freeing in a way that those who came before Christ never had. Just a reminder, in the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit would come, it would come up on them 
but it didn't stay. Now, as believers in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit sealed in us. So we constantly have the ability because the Holy Spirit is the messenger from God. So we constantly get to have that communication. And it is such a blessing that I think all of us take for granted. I know I do a lot, but I think a lot of us forget that. Chapter 9 is about the heartbreak of how most of Israel, the Jews, do not accept Jesus Christ as Messiah. And it's not because they are not loved by God or chosen by him, but because they have decided in their hearts not to believe that Christ is the Messiah. And so because of that, God has given his hope of the Messiah to the Gentiles, who will spread it to the rest of the world since Israel or the Jews did not. Obviously, there are Jews who believe in Christ, usually called Messianic Jews, but as a whole, that is not the case. And so our desire should be like God's to pray that they will come to see the truth. Kelly, side note, please make no mistake. This is not an attack on the Jews. They are God's chosen people, and we should have all the compassion in the world for them, as the Bible literally explains how the Jews are all of us at any given time. We are blessed that God included us Gentiles into the story. And I do pray and for my Jewish brothers and sisters that as many as possible will come to accept Christ as the Messiah. Having said all that, this is where we end today. So if you have any reactions, thoughts, questions, or words you need to throw my way, please do so at my website, bmepodcast.com. Have a most fabulous week, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Podcast.com. Have a most fabulous week, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.